0: In baseball, the only tool Babe Ruth needed was a bat. But in business, branding, and marketing, it's not enough. Sure, the bat on his exploits made it all possible for him, but becoming America's first marketing superstar required much more. I'm Jerry Amrick, the author of Babe Ruth, The Superstar's Legacy, the first book ever written about the legacy of Ruth. I've been looking at Babe for years, ever since my novel Gift of the Bambino was published, and even before then when I was doing research. Babe Ruth's grandson, Tom Stevens, wrote the foreword to my book, and his mother, Julia, the Babe's daughter, who passed away last spring at the age of 102, was also involved. As were top executives from the sports collectibles industry, curator at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., president of the company that represents the Babe Ruth estate, and many others. We'll be hearing from all of them in this series, Babe Ruth Master Marketer. Up here's a pitch, it's a slow curve, low, and the babe swings. It's a long one, a long one. I will say that
1: I've had
2: thrills before, a number of
1: them. It's in there another home run for the Bambino,
2: something like uh, hitting a home run in Chicago at that time. The Lord was with me when
3: I called the shot. Babe Ruth was such an individual personality. I mean, he was larger than life.
4: Daddy's name today is bigger, really, than it was back then. I can't go on forever. Somebody's got to take my shoes and take my place.
1: He was really the original sports marketer. He recognized the value of his name and image and likeness.
5: But I won't play until I drop, but I'll play until I damn near drop. What's amazing about his name and really his brand is that it holds up even today.
2: Come on, boys. Let's go. What do you
0: This is episode two, Tools of the Trade. Just why did Babe's Yankee teammate Lou Gehrig, himself, one of the greatest players ever, not have the impact that Ruth had? Here's what Babe's grandson, Tom Stevens, has to say about that as he compares the two.
6: Lou was was a ball player of, of virtually equal ability, but he didn't have the personality to go right. with was a very retiring sort.
0: Tom is an engineer who builds bridges around the world, including places like Thailand, Australia, and the Middle East. He's learned from personal experience how his grandfather is known all over the planet.
6: One of my postings back in the 90s was to Bangkok, Thailand. And I hadn't been there more than a couple of weeks. I walked into, uh, actually it was a country club at a golf course. We were having lunch one Sunday. I've grown up with with these pictures on the wall of Babe, uh, and I, I know them in my sleep. I've seen them all my life. I stepped into this country club, I saw a picture on the wall, and, I, and sure enough, the closer I get, it was uh, a picture that I recognized of Babe with uh, Jimmy Fox. In Thailand. He's in an athletics <laughs> uniform, Babe is in a, in, in a you know, back in the days when the Yankees and the athletics were rivals, and sure enough, they're at home. Uh, later on, I was in a restaurant in Bangkok, and there was a picture of Babe bowling just a random picture of babe bowling i'd never seen it before matter was i matter of fact i don't we don't have a picture in our possession of him bowling yet there it was when i went to work for the military doing strategic bridges in afghanistan of, of course as you can imagine the, the largest threat to security was ieds so i had to have 24 7 security on my bridge site or we were in danger of of, of losing our bridge most of the personnel providing that security Uh, tended to be from South Africa and uh, also Australia. And they knew very well who Babe was, again, (laughs) to my surprise. As a matter of fact, in Australia, cricket reigned supreme. Cricket and rugby probably are the primary sports for them. And there was a a batsman by the name of Sir Don Bradbury. He was knighted, actually, by the Queen for his uh, accomplishments in cricket. Uh, And in his home country of Australia, he is known as the Babe Ruth of Cricket.
0: In 1934, Babe Ruth was part of the American League All-Stars who toured Japan after the baseball season was over. They played exhibition games against top Japanese teams. And Tom's mother, Julia, who was 18 at the time, accompanied her mother, Claire, and Babe on the tour. Listen to Julia describe how he was greeted by the Japanese
4: like he was a god mm-hmm. unbelievable tell me about that the streets were just absolutely lined with people waving japanese flags and american flags like it was a it was a parade mm-hmm. all the uh, mm-hmm. all the ball players rode along in these cars daddy was in a uh, in, the, in the lead car, in, in what they used to call a touring car. These were the what,
0: the American League All-Stars? Or yes. Major League, or American, yeah. All-American League.
4: All-American All-Stars. Mm-hmm.
0: Half a million people, maybe more, turned out to see him. On that tour, Babe Ruth, age 39, a man who only hit 22 home runs with the Yankees that season, his last with the team as it turned out, was the star of the series. He hit 13 home runs in 17 games, and also served as manager of the All-Stars. After the tour, the U.S. ambassador to Japan, Joseph C. Gru, wrote in his diary these words, All Japan has gone wild over him. He is a great deal more effective ambassador than I could ever be. One of the people I interviewed for my book was Ryozo Kato, who was Japanese ambassador to the United States until 2008, when he became commissioner of Nippon Professional Baseball that's the big leagues, the major leagues in Japan. He was commissioner until 2013. He told me that Babe Ruth laid the foundation for baseball to become a significant part of Japan's national culture. Now let's get back to the tools Babe possessed, which are so important to marketing. Pete Anfield is president of the Luminary Group in Indiana, which represents the Ruth family and the Babe Ruth estate for sponsorships and promotions. Pete has been working with Ruth and the Ruth family for 25 years. It never hurts
1: to be the premier name, if you will, in your chosen endeavor. I think also with Babe, he's a um, a dynamic personality uh, in, in a lot of ways. I think he appeals to the masses for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, his incredible accomplishments and who he did it for. It certainly did not hurt that that his main accomplishments as a baseball player were for two of the the largest franchises in MLB history, uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees. So, um, you know, I've certainly seen um, great players over the years who performed admirably and had remarkable accomplishments, but were in small markets. And from a licensing standpoint, you know, they just don't measure up in in any way, shape or form with Babe or you know, of these iconic personalities. So certainly the New York and Boston markets contribute. Sure. But if I just contributed primarily to that, that would be selling babe short, in my opinion. I mean, this is a guy who grew up a, a hard way, you know, being turned over by his parents, in essence, to, to the St. Mary's Industrial School. And, you know, growing up in a tough environment, not the most loving environment, and, and one who, who, despite that, persevered, excelled, and became this larger-than-life figure. And I think a lot of people could really appreciate and respond favorably to that because he, he didn't grow up an elitist, so to speak, or somebody removed, but one that, you know, really paid his dues and, and experienced some hard knocks. And a lot of people can really identify with that.
0: James Barber is a historian and curator at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. He's an expert on American presidents and the Civil War. He thought Babe Ruth deserved an exhibit at the Smithsonian's National Portrait Gallery, which recognizes those who have major impact on American culture. This is done for people like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Well, they did an exhibit of portraiture and art on Babe Ruth. It ran for 11 months and wound up in June 2017.
3: Any time is a good time to do a Babe Ruth exhibit. He's, he's one of those people for me personally, he—he's one of a couple individuals that uh, were, were absolutely one of a kind, irreplaceable. You'll never see again. Not only um, for his baseball, you know, heroics, but also just you know the, the personality, of the man himself. He had the whole package. It's been said that the Babe invented the autograph.
0: An expert I spoke to who's considered the number one authority on Babe Ruth's signatures says over the years, Ruth signed his name two million times, if you can believe that, two million times. And one of those signatures on a baseball fetched $400,000. Here's Barber again, as he talks about Babe's signature and how he signed it. It's another tool of the trade. Babe Ruth
3: had, um, he had a lot of pride you can see that pride in in every signature that's out there, whether it be on a baseball contract or whether it be on, you know, the thousands of baseballs that he signed. He took the time to write his name, you know, legibly. You know, what you see today, it's, it's just these people that are that are signing autographs. They you know, most of them, they, they might as well just make an X, it's not their full name. It's not legible. You can't even identify individual letters. It's just a different version of an X, but not Ruth. I mean, his signatures are all alike. Joe Orlando is president of Collector's Universe,
0: and he's one of the top executives in the sports memorabilia industry which today is a billion-dollar business. Babe Ruth, of course, is number one in that business, and frankly, it's not even close. Orlando once told me there are two categories in the industry, Babe Ruth and everyone else. Here he speaks about Ruth and his agent, Christy Walsh, who set the mold for branding, and he gets into what marketers today can learn from this duo.
5: One of the things that's interesting in the collectibles world is that you see various uh, pieces of evidence of all the endorsements that Babe Ruth was involved in. And I mean, I guess part of that credit has to go to Christy Walsh, um who worked uh, with Ruth, was his agent for for quite some time and got him involved in so many different things. I would say the thing that they could learn about Babe Ruth is I'd say branding and and I, I guess again, Christy Walsh was involved in this as well, but they did such a good job of branding Babe Ruth. There are many celebrities over the years, you know, actors, actresses, you know, athletes that have pitched products that have that have endorsement deals, you know, on, on television and, and so forth. But I think the difference with Ruth is that he was branded himself. Like Babe Ruth himself became a brand and people wanted to be associated with with that brand. And, and you can see that you know, outside of his endorsements, Christy Walsh and, and Ruth were involved in so many promotional type projects. You see so many vintage photos of Babe Ruth making appearances at military bases, signing autographs, offering um, signed bats and so forth as gifts for promotional events i mean babe ruth was in movies i mean he worked in hollywood i mean um one of the items that we pictured in your book uh was that bat signed to lou uh breslow so and and he worked with lou and others on a series of five short films in the early 30s um that went out to people so he was involved from that aspect as well but i think what they could learn is he himself became a brand and because of that So many others wanted to be involved with that brand, whereas I think for most athletes, they're simply pitching a product. They're not a brand in and of themselves, even if they're great players or they have a great name, they're a popular celebrity. Ruth was different in that respect.
0: Like James Barber of the Smithsonian, Joe Orlando also mentions the Babe Ruth autograph and how he signed his name
5: he has one of the most aesthetically pleasing autographs i think that you could find yeah it's 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 a beautifully penned signature and i think again which which is also very fitting it's very in talking to autograph enthusiasts over the years and experts you know there's kind of a uh, a feeling that Someone's signature, at least uh, in those days, it said something about the person. And yeah. his, his, if you look at Babe Ruth's autograph, it's very stylish. It's a very bold and, and strong signature, which really represents who he was. So I think there, there's something about his autograph that captures the essence of the man. And I think that's part of the yeah. desirability.
0: Finally, listen to what Joe Orlando says about celebrities today compared to the era of Babe Ruth
5: we're all spoiled today we have access to almost everything at our fingertips right because we have our smartphones our iphones we can get on the internet we can reach out to people we could learn about anything babe ruth during a period where none of that existed of course was a crossover superstar in a magnitude that had never been seen before so he is sort of the model for that and he was really the first big crossover celebrity he wasn't just a sports guy he wasn't well l- let me start by saying this he wasn't just a baseball star and he wasn't just a sports celebrity he was a celebrity of the highest degree I mean in, in any respect so and he did that in an in an era that had none of these current advantages if someone wants to brand themselves today, they can do it via social media versus traditional internet versus, you know, television. I mean, there are so many different ways to do it today, and it's, and it's at your fingertips. Uh, obviously, that didn't exist back then, and he was still able to do that in a way that had never been seen before.
0: It was all about personality combined with marketing and technology. Babe Ruth did it back in the 20s, with the new technology like moving pictures and the transmission of the human voice. And he made it work. You can apply the formula today, but you've got to have the personality. And along with that larger-than-life personality, Babe had some other very good attributes or tools. Susan Lurie is a renowned sculptor whose works are displayed around the globe. Back in 1995, she won a competition create a 16-foot bronze sculpture of Babe Ruth. It's the biggest statue of Babe Ruth anywhere in the world. It stands at Camden Yards in Baltimore, the home of the Baltimore Orioles. Babe, of course, was born in Baltimore. Before sculpting that incredible work, Susan Lurie was determined to learn about the kind of person that her subject was.
7: What I loved about him was the larger-than-life character that he had. He had a disregard for convention. And I think that that's what makes someone great sometimes. He wrote his own book as far as what his life would be like. I think that um, the bravado, the fun that was in within him, all of that is what made him who he was.
0: Here Susan tells us what she wanted to do in sculpting Babe Ruth.
7: I wasn't looking to do something that was trophy-like. I wanted to do a real statue or sculpture that looked into Babe Ruth as a person, not just as a guy swinging a bat, because it seemed to me that this had to speak for generations. And when you do a monument of someone, it's your novel. It has to include the subtleties of what you're trying to say. It's not just, this is a guy in motion, but this is a man who has a, a myriad of of qualities, and so I have him looking north yeah. to his future, which really was in New York. I have a look on his face of what I think is determination. He was young; it was all new to him when he was 18 years old. It was a big jump from him for him to go from being, you know, at the industrial school for boys to um, Jack Dunn's baby. That's where I really started looking how I would depict somebody like that.
0: Incredibly, when she won that commission, she had never been to a baseball game in her life. So, how did she get the job?
7: I did a smaller version of Babe Ruth after the swing, and then it was a pretty small piece. They had presentations from different sculptors, at which point I went to the Babe Ruth Museum, and I, along with other people, I'm sure, made this presentation, and lo and behold, they gave me the job.
0: And then you started going to baseball games, I understand.
7: (laughs) I knew nothing about baseball. I thought that everything was a, a point. It was quite an education and quite an experience to go through this whole process of getting this incredible opportunity to sculpt this greatest icon and to learn all about his background. I read book after book about him and went to baseball games and did everything I could to educate myself in the subject and spent a lot of time at the Babe Ruth Museum talking to people that work there that really gave me a lot of insight into what this was all about.
0: Susan Lorry told me that getting that commission changed her life, so here's the question. How has Babe Ruth and his brand withstood the test? Why is he still so big today, more than 70 years after his passing? Well, let's go to Bill Jenkinson. He's a baseball historian and author who's been examining the Babe for well over 30 years.
7: His life represents a
5: unique combination of different factors. He was physically transcendent. Let's face it, that has to be the starting point or he, he wouldn't have become famous. But once he did work his way into the public eye. He was almost certainly not only the greatest player ever, but the greatest showman ever. And then when you combine that with his personal characteristics, some of which were negative, the guy was so aggressive as a player, he tended to injure himself. And, uh, you know, he had that weight problem.
3: People heard about the fact that he wasn't formally educated. People related to him when they would see him overcome all these various adversities. I think that the uh, the bond
0: only increased. People could, gets, I, people could identify with him. Yeah, he's a common man. He gets knocked down, he gets back up, and he swings for the fences. Right. And
3: right. they love him. Yeah. They love him.
0: Of course, Babe's daughter, Julia Ruth Stevens, can tell us about Babe the person. This is from an interview I did with her at her home in New England, and there's a lesson here. You want to relate to people? Well, make sure they can count on you.
4: One thing about Daddy, if he promised you something, you could depend on it. He would never, ever fail to keep a promise. Mm -hmm. And he had always promised me that he would be at my graduation. In uh, 1934, he was still with the Yankees, and I believe he was in Albany, playing an exhibition game. He flew, which he was not supposed to do, down to... Newark Airport from Albany Mm -hmm. I don't I'm not sure but I don't know whether uh LaGuardia was had been built then or not but anyway he got a plane Mm -hmm. and I was sitting in the front row with the other girls Mm -hmm. and he hadn't come we'd gone to Newark to Mm -hmm. Dorothy and I'd gone to Newark to Mm -hmm. meet him Mm -hmm. then the plane was late or something and we had to get back because graduation was at two o'clock in the afternoon so we went back and uh, I got dressed and uh, went to uh, went to school and we were sitting in the front row and all of a sudden I heard this Ooh, Ooh. I turned around and there was mother and daddy walking through the door there on time just like he had promised he would be
0: Here's another story from Julia, and it's a good one. I asked her why Babe never became a manager after he retired, even though he wanted to be. She tells this story about Lou Gehrig, whom she knew well, when his contract was up.
4: I have heard newspapers reporters say the owners felt that he would encourage his players to ask for more money i do remember when um lou came to daddy and said you know his contract was up lou asked uh, daddy mm-hmm. if he thought he should ask for a raise and <laughs> daddy said good lord yes he Very. asked if
0: he should ask for a raise he, didn't, yes. he, he thought he shouldn't ask for a raise
4: well he he asked daddy oh. what he thought he ought oh. to ask us for a raise right and uh, I don't know what he was getting, but let's say it was... Uh, it
0: was probably a good deal for the Yankees.
4: <laughs> probably, I would say somewhere maybe between fifteen and $18,000. Mm-hmm. Daddy said, yeah. He said, uh, ask him for 40000 Lou said, that much? And he said, well, he says, you may have to come down a little. But he said, make it difficult for the Colonel. <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> Something like that. So he was nobody's... I mean, sp- don't hold me to so everything. So as- in that a-
0: sense, he was nobody's fool. No. And he knew what he was worth as a player, and he got it.
4: <laughs> yes, he did. When a reporter said, gee, babe, you make more money than the president. That's right. That's a great And then he said, yeah, but I had a better year. Yeah, that's a great quote.
0: Babe Ruth had a wonderful sense of humor, and he sure had the power of words. He didn't have much of an education, at least in school, didn't have a formal education, but he knew how to use words effectively. There's a website, baberuthcentral.com, where they sell t-shirts with Babe's famous sayings printed across the chest. A big seller is, never let the fear of striking out get in the way. Now, that's something that goes far beyond baseball. But the number one seller of all is this one. It's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Something else he said was, yesterday's home runs don't win today's games. And like the other sayings, that one goes far beyond baseball. Here's a guy with little formal education, but he is quoted to this day by world leaders, religious scholars, and leading thinkers. He was a source of inspiration and hope. And not just the baseball fans and sports fans, but the people, the masses. Michael Gibbons ran the Babe Ruth Museum in Baltimore for 37 years and he's still involved in that institution today. While he says Babe Ruth didn't have a
2: lot of close
0: friends, he did know
2: how to relate to the public. He did have a feel for the ways to communicate with people in general. And, and so that endeared him to everybody. You know, he, he was always uh, very positive and how you doing, Keed, and all, all that good stuff. He he always embraced whoever was in front of him. He was never shy in front of a camera or a microphone. Uh, he was really comfortable that way. He was comfortable, as we talked before, hanging around media guys and um, he was comfortable lollygagging with his teammates and everybody. I mean, that was his natural instinct and his natural approach to every day. You know, Ruth is the first to have a player agent. Ruth is the first to endorse products, merchandise, have a candy bar named after him, although they did not, uh, Curtis Candy denied it. So he was like the guy at the salient when it comes to Uh, Those kind of issues with marketing and branding and and things like that, because of his celebrity as he came into New York and met Christy Walsh, it just opened the door for all these new avenues for uh, sports celebrities, but really any celebrities to go down. You know, there were all kind of new pathways. And so, you know, Ruth is always tied to that aspect of being an American celebrity, you know, because he started so much of that initiative.
0: This is Michael Gibbon's take on Washington Post columnist George F. Will, who called Babe Ruth the first national
2: superstar. George calls him a superstar. I call him America's first great rock star, you no. know, or first first rock star, because, you know, it really is true. You know, the Beatles remind of that when they went on Ed Sullivan. Well, Babe Ruth, wherever he went, he got that kind of adoration. And, uh, you know, the fans fans just couldn't get enough of him just like the Beatles. So yeah, he is the first, uh, America's first rock star. And, you know, think of other Americans. I mentioned Abe Lincoln before. So Abe Lincoln, who, unlike Ruth, for most of his political career, he was he had a whole faction of this country divided by the Civil War that really didn't think all that much of him. <laughs> and until he um, was assassinated, and became a martyr, that gave us the Lincoln who became uh, immediately an American cultural icon. But Ruth never had the bad faction. He was always just loved, just like the Beatles. And, you know, so it was always just good and positive with him. George is right. The Babe was just T H E, capital, 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 celebrity. Finally, if you really want
0: to reach the public, think of kids like Babe did.
2: He captivated American youth. He captivated the baseball fans, that's for sure, but children out and out adored him. They loved him. All the stories, the little Johnny stories and visiting the hospitals. and So I think that really counts for um, a huge portion of why he became so popular and so much uh, the celebrity. So with Babe Ruth, you've got the personality for
0: marketing and branding, and you can't teach that. Either you got it or you don't. But there was also his sincerity. There was no put on and no pretense with Babe Ruth. Now just think of advertising or marketing without pretense. Maybe that's why in 2017, Norwegian Airlines put his likeness on the tail fins of their jets serving U.S. routes. They call it their American Heroes program, and he was the first. Why? An executive with the airline said he inspired millions. Just think, every day a huge image of Babe Ruth is flying across the North Atlantic on the tail fin of a Boeing 787 Dreamliner aircraft. They don't do that for just anybody. Well, that closes out our second episode in this series on Babe Ruth, Master Marketing. Make sure you catch our next episode, Babe Ruth, the Marketing Machine. We'll talk to people in the sports memorabilia industry and find out why Babe Ruth is head and shoulders above everyone else. We'll talk to members of the Ruth family. We'll talk about licensing the Babe Ruth name. And we'll also learn more about why Babe Ruth is still magic in marketing, branding, and advertising to this very day. I'm Jerry Amarnick. Thanks for listening. Babe Ruth Master Marketer was produced and edited by Dave Grine of the Acme Podcasting Company. I like spreading the word on what we can learn from Babe Ruth Master Marketer and can speak at conferences, trade shows, or for your organization. You can reach me at baberuthlegacy.com or via email jerry at jerryamernick.com My book, Babe Ruth, A Superstar's Legacy, and novel, Gift of the Bambino, are both available on Amazon and at BabeRuthLegacy.com.